dial star 611 for assistance as your cellular phone is not authorized for use at this time. Pour de l'assistance, veuillez composer étoile 611. Vous n'avez pas le... Hello, podcast listener. Everything around you that you call life was made by people that were no smarter than you. And you can change it. You can influence it. You can build your own things that other people can use. The App Guy Podcasts, straight from your host, Paul the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul the App Guy. So welcome to the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Kemp. I'm the founder of OneMob. And I've got a great guest lined up here uh, this evening, or it's in fact Tom's morning. Uh, It's Tom Tawley. And he is a freelance writer. Uh, He writes for publications like Forbes.com and IPOplaybook.com. And he's also got a a terrific uh, career behind him. He's been involved and, in fact, set up a company called Master CFO. And they provide outsourced CFO services to startups. He's been heavily involved in startups over his his, uh, career. And he's got a lot to share with us. He's been involved currently, I believe, with startups like WorkComp Central and Rascals, which is an extreme sports app. So there's loads to talk about here. And I think it's going to be an inspiring story, Tom. So I've taken just a, a brief minute to to introduce you, but perhaps you can talk to us about uh, yourself and your company. Yeah, uh, definitely uh, great uh, to, ha- to be on the show. I look forward to it. Uh, yeah, in terms of uh, Master CFO, kind of what I'm doing today, and, and this is the result of just my own experience as being an entrepreneur, and that is you know, you're so focused on the customer, building a product, raising capital. You figure you just kind of forget about some of the things like paying taxes or responding to notices or you know, making sure you have you know, budgets in place and things like that. And so Master CFO is meant for the startups or early stage companies where they can't bring on someone full time, but maybe bring in someone for one day a week and help with those kinds of things to make sure you don't go off the cliff, which is going to be, you know, I've seen great companies go off the cliff because they didn't get their operations uh, in shape. And so that's, that's what I do right now, and it's been great because, like you mentioned, some of the companies I'm involved in, they're exciting companies, great to work with early-stage entrepreneurs, a lot happening here in the United States on, on that front uh, especially. And uh, so that, that's what I do currently. Uh, you mentioned about my past, um, and I, you know, I'm not uh, – would be considered a great employee uh, that's why I have. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a challenge. It's a challenge for those who actually pay money on payroll. I'm not a really a payroll person. Never have been, and and so I've always had to create my own opportunities or my own businesses. And and the one I, I created this is 20 years ago, uh, even before the internet. And creating what I saw when I was in college is that students were bringing their laptops to school into the classroom. And I thought, well, there's got to be an opportunity here because I'll, everyone's on a computer and maybe I can develop software for students. And that's what I did. So I developed software to help students pass the bar exam, which is uh, become a lawyer in the United States, and uh, did very well. And then um, you know, I learned just like most coders. I didn't have any background in, in engineering. I just went to Barnes & Noble, bought some books on computers and, and learned how to code and, and built it. And Sold it. You know, it's kind of simple. Business is kind of simple. Build it, sell it. Build it, sell it. Um, and uh, you know, in those days, I didn't have funding, so I had to sell it and, and had to have something that made money. <laughs> it's 
a little different today. And, and so that evolved into the internet and, and you know, we expanded into other types of exams and that did pretty well. And then another company, which was the big one, I started was called Hypermart, co-founded that in 1997. Uh, you know, everyone talks about Tumblr, but it was really Tumblr for 1997. And we allowed those to uh, anyone to, for free to set up and create a website, little website, put your little messages on there and, and, and collect things. And it grew very quickly because at that time, everyone wanted some type of website. And uh, it went out, you know, just went crazy, blew up. And we sold it to a company called GoToNet, 1998, uh, which was kind of a third-tier portal. Uh, you know, you had the Yahoo's and Lycos, and then there's GoToNet. But GoToNet really started to take off uh, after we sold to them, and then they were uh, merged in with InfoSpace. So we did very well with that. So in terms of my background, it's always been more on the entrepreneurial side. I have background in development, uh, old-school development. Uh, but in mobile, you know, given my um, column for Forbes.com, over the past few years, I've talked to many companies about apps and app development. So um, I do know a lot about the process, the different tools, what's involved, recruiting, uh, maybe not necessarily firsthand, but I've talked to a broad category of great companies that, that, are, that know how to do that. Yeah, well, there are app developers listening to this and, and getting inspired by your story because uh, you know, you do mention that you perhaps wouldn't make a great employee. And I, I do think that there are people listening that are also in employment where they, they do want something else, some bigger meaning in life. And, and app development is kind of that calling. And so I'd love to kind of go back to that point in, in your life where you were going um, in it, you know, on your own and, and having to become entrepreneurial. Do you believe that there's a certain mindset that you need to be entrepreneurial? No, I, I think just like anything, if you set your mind to it, you can do whatever you want. I don't think you're born with an entrepreneur's DNA. You know, I don't think there's something in your chromosomes that make you an entrepreneur or not. I, I've seen, and I've had, I talked to an entrepreneur last, last week. He started his company in his mid-40s. Uh, he had been an employee all his life. Uh, he saw a huge opportunity in the medical area, created a company called Viva Systems about five years ago, took it public. About three months ago, the company has a market cap of six billion dollars. Uh, you know, <laughs> here's an employee. He took all the advantages of his employment, of all the experiences he he you know was able to take advantage of over the years, and built a billion dollar company in a short period of time. I think I think there's certain categories. You know, the next Snapchat. I think you can be 18 years old and develop it because who else has done a Snapchat? You know, no one, you know, so, but, you know, there are other markets where, you know, say developing apps for the enterprise, for medical, healthcare, and all those, having that experience goes a long way. So I don't think, you know, that, that, that you have to be a certain individual, you know, have, you know, that 23andMe test where you test your DNA, you know, I, I don't think I've heard anyone say there's an entrepreneur DNA, you know, uh, uh, you know, part of your your system. There's possibly an idea there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there is. I don't know. I haven't heard of it, and I just think it's just. Are a you a DNA? Are you an entrepreneur or not? Take our DNA it, test. That's right. There you go. I think that would <laughs> not go because I've seen too many examples. Again, like this case where someone had been in the workforce for 20 years, 
and then made the transition. I, I think anyone can do it if they want to. What about location then? Instead of mindset, what huh? about uh, you do live in the pretty much where it's all happening in California. Yeah. Do, you, do you feel that, that, you know, given the people that you talk to, the startups that you're involved with, is yeah. it really important to be in, in yeah. Silicon this, Valley this, or California? This, this may sound a little, you know, a little too biased, uh, and it's just my opinion. I think location does matter. And, and the reason I say that is that you're, you're among others that get it. Um, so, you know, I was in Silicon Valley last week and, you know, the conversations, you know, or everyone understands what you're talking about. You, no one thinks you have a crazy idea because they, they all understand things fail and, you know, and some of the things that they thought would never work actually work. Um, there's, there's the money that's there understands that. The employees, those who you, you would hire, your engineers, marketing people, finance people, they all understand it. That you don't have to go through the, the all those hurdles of, of just explaining and convincing people. They they are already on board, you know. So then you can really get to your idea a lot faster. I I wrote about a company called Spark Central. Uh, a young entrepreneur came from Belgium, and you know I asked him the difference between say being in, he's in the Bay Area now versus say Belgium, and he said I I couldn't start this company in Belgium. There's just no way I could do that. And he said he came here, he had no contacts, no background. Somehow, you know, he just talked enough and, and started to build his network and he raised capital and he's built a great company in a very short period of time. Well, look at the guys that are running QuizUp, the, you know, that really popular iPhone app at the moment. They're, yeah. Um, they moved to the U.S. and yeah. um, but they pretty much started in Scandinavia somewhere and they're, yeah. they're doing really well. Uh, Clearly, <laughs> I think it's I think it's the most popular app ever downloaded. A quiz up, yeah. and the average time on it is is forty minutes, which is pretty amazing. That's, but that's but there's yeah. a there's a double edged sword here. You see, I mean, I'm British, <laughs> as you can tell. I'm a long way yeah. from California. In fact, we're doing this call, and I'm calling you from Dubai. And there's another element to perhaps app developers who get inspired by the location independent style of living, and I, I guess. You know, it is important to hear the truth from you in that perhaps location does have an impact. And so, you know, you may be inspired to do something similar to me and be yeah, independent I, I in terms of location. But, you know, you've got to make take the consequences of that. I agree. And, and, if, and if maybe if you're not looking to raise huge amounts of capital, uh, you know, have a, a scale out a big business on, on the tech side, we're talking tech here. Uh, yeah, I, I think um, it's fine, you know. But I think you do if you if you want to go that route, you have to go where the action is. You know, it's just like if, if you want to be a movie star, you go to Hollywood. Uh, you know, if if you want to be in finance, I'm talking more of the United States. If you want to be in finance, you go to New York. Um, it's just it makes it so much easier. And 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 your part, you just your part. You know, people. This is the other thing too. And I talked to a friend of mine who he's regretted moving out of San Francisco and he says it's hurt his career because people actually forget about you, <laughs> you know? that's right but, you know, you're not in their face and you need to be in your face and I remember this other company years ago they sold their company to Salesforce very early on and, I, and, and they were in San, based in San Francisco I asked them the same question and they said it was so critical uh, that they were based in San Francisco and they were two blocks away from Salesforce is where they were located 
And you know, that was their main partner. And they said if there was ever something that needed to be done, they'd just go across the street and get it done. <laughs> you know? And it's just it's that kind of thing. You know? And it, it's kind of weird because Silicon Valley is all about virtual and they, they build all these virtual things. And, um, you know, they, 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 they try to get everyone to be a part in a way and yet to be successful in Silicon Valley it's the old school networking that that goes that that's critical so you meet with uh, a lot of startups and you know you provide a critical resource uh, for those startups let's let's talk about uh, a startup that's perhaps involved in app development or have an app yeah. what's yeah. it like working with those people <laughs> uh Oh, it's fun. Do they make good clients? Absolutely. And I, I would say that, well, primarily because they're, they don't want to deal with it. So they, they tend not to get in the way. Right. <laughs> if, I were to, if I were to come in and tell them what to do about their mobile apps, I'm sure it would be a whole different question. You know? uh, although I do that because you know, I, I do talk to a lot of companies and have maybe a vantage point that they don't have in terms of a strategy. But you know, what comes on the finance side, they, they pretty much let me do what I want to do. So it, it makes it easier for me because they, they don't even want to deal with it. They don't want to think about it. So they're, they're, they're fine with that. And that's, you know, I think it helps both. I, I think where it could be a, a, an issue is that uh, you do get tunnel, you know, tunnel vision when you're an entrepreneur and you think you have all the right answers or you want to build everything yourself or you don't want to partner and, and those kinds of things. And I think from a strategy standpoint, uh, some of these founders can get can, – yeah, you know, stubborn can can be really good. It can be really bad. If you're right, it's great. If not, uh, you can just be hitting your wall. You know, hit, hitting your head against the wall. You know, all day long. And I've seen that happen a lot. And it's because it's entrepreneurs. You know, they have the drive, they have the vision, and they think they have all the answers. A lot of times, um, and, and they have the enthusiasm. It's all great, but sometimes it could be channeled in areas that uh, you look and you just, you know, for someone with my background, my experience, you go, oh, I wish he wouldn't be doing that or she wouldn't be doing that. And, 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 <laughs> and I was, you know, I guess the, the average age of the people that you're working with, is, are they quite young? I mean, do you work, yeah. do you, do you yeah. work with any 12-year-olds or are they all pretty much uh, uh, adults? <laughs> <laughs> definitely, uh, I, mean, I think some of them are probably not even old enough to drink, but they're not necessarily, you know, high school either. Uh, I would say twenty something is is where they, they tend to be tend to be male as well, uh, and uh, you know engineering types as well. So, but I've worked and talked, you know, with that kind of demographic for a long time. So I kind of know what you know how they operate, what they think, you know how they do do their thing. I've got a ver- I've, the audience that listen to this is quite varied. I'm huh? I'm an old man. I'm forty four. <laughs> And I openly admit that. And, you know, it, is it, in your opinion, a young man's game, the app development world? Mm-hmm. Or do you feel that someone can make it when, with um, a little bit more age under the belt? I think it's the category. You know, like I mentioned earlier on, if you're building the next Snapchat, you know, and it's focused on young people, i, I got to think you, you probably have to be a young person on that front. But if you're developing an app for medical uh, you know, in talking to the Viva System CEO last week, you know, he said a huge advantage he had is that he had experience. He he looked he has some gray hair, so he could go to Merck or go to Pfizer 
and talk talk to them, and they'll probably listen to him. You know, they may not talk to a twenty one year old at that point. They they would feel probably uncomfortable doing that. So, I think it depends on on what the market is, what your market focus is. Uh, but you know, I could I'll tell you, you know, when I did the hypermart thing back in the nineties, you know, I was in my twenties and you know. I was crazy enough to do it, but I kind of had a sense of what young people wanted. And, and I'm, I'm now in my mid-40s, just like you, and I, I, I would be a fool to think that I could figure out what they wanted. I think that's the, that's the crux right there. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that it's interesting to kind of hear that you, know, you, you talk about startups. And I, I, the reason I'm focusing on that is because that, uh, a lot, there's a lot of indie app developers who uh, – either are working for themselves uh, or trying to raise funding. Mm-hmm. What, what advice would you have to people trying to get in, into the game? Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what should they, the things that they should be doing? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I do think there, there are different stages. There's the experimental phase where you throw things on the wall and you, see, you, know, and you talk to a lot of people. Uh, I, I talked to a company a few weeks ago in, in Silicon Valley, some mobile app company, um, that he will go to bus stops and talk to people about his app. You know, he, I mean, this guy will not stop. I mean, he will just, he wants to talk to all his users, potential users, and see how, in the real world, how they interact with his app. And I think you, in the early stages, and, and as you go beyond that, I think you have to have that attitude of just being constantly in tune with your user, with, with apps, because it's like you mentioned, the quiz up, you know, the, the heavy engagement is so critical with apps, uh, because people are really not paying a lot of money for apps right now, so you've got to get the, the engagement uh, level high. So I think you really have to throw, throw things, experiment, and, and find a, a use case for your app. Why are people going there every day? What what's driving them? So I think you got to hit on that. Once you hit on that, then you know you got to get a sense of what the target market is. Where the opportunities at advertising, in-app purchase. You know, if it's a game, you kind of know where it's going to go. If it's enterprise, you know you're going to sell it to companies. So you got to figure out, you know, where where that where that market is. So it's it's always that product market fit that's so critical. But it, that's, that evolves over time. You know, first, you've got to figure, some, figure out something that works, and that's not, a, that's not always easy. And you'll probably go through multiple iterations on that. The good news is that, that, you, know, that you, you can constantly change. I mean, and, and I've seen a lot of companies that you know, it took them seven or eight times until they finally hit, hit on that. And, and you've probably seen a lot of failure in your career. I mean, is there a pattern that yeah. you can identify a reason for failure? <laughs> you know, failure is is part of the process, and I think that's something that Silicon Valley is part of the secret of Silicon Valley is they understand failure is fine, it's okay, it's just it's necessary. If you look at Facebook this year, the stock's up 100. percent So you know, Zuckerberg just says he's going to take 2.3 million dollars in, in sales, you know, from his stock. It's going to be a nice Christmas for him, I guess. But <laughs> I think it's beyond but, money for for Mark Zuckerberg, but. Bro, I think his money's been but it, 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 in terms of uh, almost like having a, a, a "told you so" moment, you know, and the mo- yeah. in mobile, I think a lot of their profits is actually now from mobile, where two, three years ago it was nothing. So it was zero. Now it's forty nine percent as its latest quarter. 
But if you look at this year, graph search, where's that gone? Nowhere. Uh, his home launcher app for Android, that's, no one talks about that. Poke was a complete joke. You know, that was to take on Snapchat. Those are three high-profile failures. And yet his stock's up over 100%, and he has the biggest company in social today. Failure's okay. Failure's to be expected. You go to Google, look at all the stupid things they've done. But then again, they've created Android. They've, they've created Maps. They've created driverless cars. They've done all these great things. So it's, it's the sausage-making. It's not too pretty. And it's also when you're a company that's out there, you know, everyone will, will trash you on your failures, but those who understand the game realize that you're going to have a lot of these failures. So don't worry about that. If, if you don't fail, I think that's a problem. You're probably not doing anything. That's the problem. But perhaps the thing we don't ask ourselves is how do we know we've failed? I mean, as a, <laughs> you know, you fall in love with the, the projects that you kind of undertake, and uh, I guess there's a, a Wait. You fool yourself sometimes, you know, in terms of what actually is uh, the reality of, which is you're, you're just not getting the traction with the app or the, the, yeah. the idea. Well, you know, if you look at companies that get funded by the top investors, Andreessen Horowitz or Sequoia, they want metrics. You know, I, I remember that the reason uh, Andreessen Horowitz invested in mixed panel is they kept seeing their top companies use Mixpanel. Mixpanel is a way to get analytics on, on users, you know, engagement metrics, and all these kinds of things to show if something's going right. You need to have metrics. You need to measure things. That has to be built into your app, or else you're just going blind. You're, 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 you're missing out on the huge advantage of, that you have of tracking you know, user behavior. So the, the user's going to tell you. They'll tell you you know, whether it's working or not. And you'll, you'll know it. <laughs> you will know it. I mean, it's up. I think they know it. Uh, and, and, and after a while, if, if something's just not clicking, for, you know, you've got to change it. You've got to figure out, you know, you get rid of it, change it up. You know, the, I guess this is where you come in as well, you know, as a CFO, an outsourced CFO. Is that, do, you, do you sometimes have to have those difficult discussions? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's not just that maybe they're spending too much on one thing. But, you know, something, getting an outside perspective or a fresh perspective goes, goes a long way. Uh, and, and, and so, uh, you know, I think that's bringing an advisor, whether it doesn't have to, it could just be, uh, you know, someone who has industry experience or it could be anyone. But I think you've got to keep, you know, a reality, reality check. But I'll tell you, one, one great example of, you know, you know, the whole pivot thing is Instagram. Instagram used to be called Bourbon, and it was an, an app that you would take to bars and, so, I don't know, somehow try to connect with people at bars. I'm not sure what the use case was, but <laughs> it was a disaster. But they found out people were sending photos. And that, so they, they trashed everything and focused on the photos thing. The users will tell you at the end. And that's the great thing. It'll, it'll be quick. And if you measure it right, you'll know. Uh, if not, you probably shouldn't be in this game because <laughs> it's going to be pretty brutal. Because <laughs> I, I know a lot of—I mean, I know a lot of apps that it's just you know they—you have a million apps on these stores, these app stores. You know, for each category, you have thousands and thousands of apps, and uh, you know you got to stand out some way. And if not, it, you, you're going to be just as good as a good as nothing. You know, I, I totally agree with that. I've got an app that I created that uh, helps newborn babies sleep by playing womb sounds. And uh, 
when it was first launched there, I don't think there was a lot of other competitors, but I did a search the other day and there's, there's about 600 of these things now. And yeah, uh, it, it, yeah just the noise in the marketplaces. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very competitive marketplace, but did you, I guess yeah. I shouldn't put people off of, uh, you know, if they have passion for an idea and they think it will work. Yeah. Then, yeah. Uh, to test. Uh, what, what resources would you um, suggest to people uh, to measure the, mm-hmm. you know, their uh, success or failure? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think in the app game, use something like a mixed panel. Uh, make that religious. You need to you need to be metrics driven. You need to check it like every single minute of the day, <laughs> right. and, and figure out what the trends are with your apps. Be focused on that. Be focused on the numbers and on your users. The, the other is try to you know is you know, it's hard to do A/B testing, but you can kind of there, there are some things that you can do that, to kind of test certain things and features. Um, so, and then also try to figure out, uh, you know, if you run a campaign, try to, you know, see, did it get a, was there a lift? And if you're seeing that there's a lift for a certain campaign, keep doing it, <laughs> you know, keep doing Rinse it. And repeat. Uh, exactly. So I think that's, and, you know, um, there's a company called check, which uh, it's, it's an app that tracks your, it's one of the top apps in the in the finance part of the app store for budgeting and your checkbook and all that kind of stuff. And you know, it's 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 a top fifteen app among banks, which is pretty tough to get there. And I asked them about, you know, how they came up with their business model, how you know their how they did their marketing, all those. And he, and he just told me, he goes, "We tried everything. I mean, we had a subscription model, we had a transactional model, we had you know paid app." We, he goes. We just tried it and just see, you know, does it work or not? And I think that's the other thing too. Don't get into this mindset of this is my way or the highway. Um, again, I think it's about a lot of experimentation and trying new ideas uh, and, and seeing what works and not work. Right. Uh, so I, looking at the time, it's, um, it's amazing how the, the time really just flies by and I could talk to you for yeah. hours Tom it's really interesting but <laughs> we're coming up to 30 minutes now and um, I wondered if there's if there's anything you know given the audience that are listening to this is there anything yeah. you feel that we've missed that uh, you, you wanted to bring to share with us yeah yeah well I think the other part is you know we talked about product strategy the market strategy you know, recruiting is definitely a, a huge part. You got to be focused on finding the right people and getting rid of the people that don't work out. Right. <laughs> that could be they could be poison in early stage companies. You know, someone that's just not part of the team. You know, that's where DNA matters. You know, do you have good DNA within the team? You know, cut that person out. I mean, it's it's brutal, but you got to do it. You got to make those decisions. And I think the other thing too, the, there's a great blog post from Reed Hoffman who created LinkedIn. And, and was one of the top guys at, at eBay, and he said, you, you know, where where a lot of entrepreneurs miss the boat is that there's, there's not just only product strategy, there's financing strategy. Where do we get the money and when? <laughs> you know, because most likely you're probably not going to be generating huge amounts of revenue, and you're going to keep the the boat afloat because you're out there raising money. So no, have that strategy in place. A lot of times it's just from the hips uh, in terms of how you go out and raise money. But that has to be thought out and planned out just as if you're planning out a product. 
Well, that's terrific advice, and uh, I think anyone listening will will realize that you know raising money is pretty challenging. I know. It, it, I guess it doesn't matter if you're in Silicon Valley or wherever you are. Um, yeah. you, you're going to get rejection. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I just think of the story I heard today. In fact, on uh, the founder of Goldie Blocks, and she mm-hmm. was rejected uh, with funding initially, and just decided to do her own thing. And, and it's obviously mm-hmm. working out really well for her. So, uh, I wondered uh, before we bring it to an end, is there any um, internet resources that you kind of love, and just perhaps just need to share with us? And anything you use mm-hmm. on your you know, your Mac or anything, any apps that you particularly enjoy? Mm-hmm. Well, I love Uber. <laughs> I love I, Uber, I, I but love I can't it. use it. It's, uh, I know they're expanding in the U.S., but I think it's just U.S. at the moment, isn't it? No, they're in Dubai. Oh, they are? oh really? Yeah. Right. You got to check it out in Dubai. Check it out. Uh, I heard it's in Dubai. Yeah, who knows? But uh, uh, I love I love Uber. You know, I love my news. You know, I love my Twitter and all, so, you know, so the I, typical I'd, app. I'd love to... Yeah hear from you how uber really works as a user and yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean i did follow this like last year but i've obviously yeah. never used the service how, how, uh-huh. do you, how uh-huh. does it work well i was in san francisco last week and lots of meetings and you never know when the meeting's going to end uh some go short some go long and getting a cab in, in san francisco is not the easiest thing to do i mean i, I you know a lot of times they'll come and if you're not there in, in one minute they just take off you know right. So with, with, with Uber, the nice thing is I don't have to carry any spare change, you know, for tips and all that, or spare cash. It's all done through credit cards. So I set it up with my credit card, and then on my map, I can see who's near me, an uh, Uber driver who's near me. I can then contact that driver and say, I'm looking for a pickup, and then I get a picture of that driver, you know, you know who that driver is. It shows up, and... I get to my next place. Wow. <laughs> I don't have to pay a tip or anything. It's all paid for. And it's, I'll tell you, I got, I got from one meeting to the next flawlessly. Uh, the, the drivers were great. They had a little bottle of water there for me. Uh, and uh, it's just a well-thought-out company. And, and I think that's another thing where entrepreneurs, where the opportunities in the future could lie, is that taking, you know, we, we carry mobile apps everywhere. And that means we're outside. We're not, you know. So think about the opportunities of connecting the real world to the to the mobile world, to the virtual world. Uh, there's another company I, I covered recently called Rock uh, Rockbot, which is a jukebox for bars. And oh no! Suck, <laughs> uh, man, I've sp- been speaking about that idea yeah. for about a year now. Uh, in fact, two uh, years. Check. Well, I'll I'll send you the link on the article. It's pretty cool. I, I think there's a lot of opportunities there. Uh, you know, to, to bring the real world. I mean, if you look at some of the killer apps, maps, uh, you know, photo apps, they all have to do with the world we live in. Well, if and, anyone's uh, listening to me, yeah. and I'll check out Uber definitely in Dubai, but um, yeah. in yeah. terms of uh, uh, anyone listening to this who perhaps uh, has some funding, then uh, Uber, an Uber competitor in Dubai would be a very uh, good app <laughs> because I just literally had the experience today of trying to get a cab and I phoned up for a cab yeah. and, and he said five minutes and it w- ended up being like 
10, 20 minutes I was there, so I waved another cab down, and then I had a very aggressive man on the phone saying, where were you? <laughs> and I said, you lied to me, you said you were five minutes away. Anyway, the whole thing was a complete, you know, it, it sort of wasted 20 minutes of my life, and to have something like Uber work, where you get, are those drivers actually um, licensed, or are they employees of Uber, or are they just kind of contractors? They're contractors. They do vet them. They do vet them. So they, they go through a vetting process, a background check, and those kinds of things. So you at least there is a central place where at least they, you know, hopefully there are no criminals picking you up, those kinds of things. But <laughs> you never know. But, but apparently they, they do. I mean, you could have the same situation with a cabbie too. So, but they, they do take actions in that way. But it is a the, – the person has their own car, uh, but they have to have the, a car approved as well. Um, so it's not just some random person. And what yeah. I'm learning from this as well is that you can have as many ideas as you want, but um, you know, I'm not going to be going after Rockbot saying that that was my idea, even though yeah. I was talking about it two years ago, is having some kind of device <laughs> app where you can go into a bar and then uh, Wi-Fi your own music from Spotify or from iTunes to, to actually yeah. play in the bar, and they have a queuing system. I'm guessing that's what Rockbot do. Yeah, uh, uh, Roku. You can you can put it onto Roku, and you know a lot of these bars have you know big screen TVs. Well, that's the thing about the app market now. You know, you come up with all these ideas, and uh, you go and have a look, and they uh, there is someone probably doing it. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and and that's that's not bad because if there is no one doing it, you got to wonder why no one's doing it. Um, yeah, lack of competition may tell you there's no market there. So that's the other thing. Well, yeah. expect competition. That's that's healthy. <laughs> Tom, I've, oh, this has been fascinating. I've I've got a pile of questions. I've still got to ask you. So maybe um, you know, <laughs> we can have another chat sometime soon. I, I know that yeah. uh, there would be people listening to this that want to reach out to you. So how best can we yeah. can we reach out to you and get in touch? Yeah, uh, I have a contact thing on mastercfo.com. Or you can reach me directly through email at t-t-a-u-l-l-i at gmail.com. And feel free to contact me at any time. Well, Tom, it's been a pleasure. A terrific, uh, I've really enjoyed this chat. And I, yeah, I would love to, to, as I say, have another chat soon. But it just brings me to say yeah. thank you for joining the podcast. And um, you know, best of luck with what, what things you're getting up to. You too as well. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. And if you do have any ideas on who we should interview, please send that email to info at onemob.com. That's info at o-n-e-m-o-b dot com. <laughs>